All right, Cheryl, what are we talking about today? What do you got for us? Well, it's the end of October. I mean, we're knocking on Halloween, which when I was a kid, Halloween was always deer hunt, right? Always. I mean, I remember driving home almost every, you know, Halloween in a snowstorm, and I'd probably been out deer hunting before that. I talked to you, Neville, about yesterday, kind of one of like our traditions. We always used to listen to the World Series as we yeah, come, I mean, off, come off the mountain from deer hunting on AM radio. Yep. Yep. So I, th- I figured today we'd do a, a little podcast about deer hunting, late season hunts. Um, I mean, we're rolling right into the end of October, uh, and then you've got the you know third and fourth seasons, second, third, and fourth. I guess still in Colorado, getting ready to kick off. It is funny that you say that Brady. You know, Brady's gone today, so we got you know myself, Trail, we got Neville, and we got Lorenzo on the podcast, and Brady, the number one mule guy. He's out. Well, he's hunting mule deer. He's hunting so mule deer. Makes total sense. <laughs> he's on his hunting sabbatical so right now. I guess now. we can say whatever we want, right? Yeah. yeah. He's on his hunting sabbatical right now. We'll he, do a follow-up with him and ask him. What he learned. Yeah. If it holds true. It sounds like he's learning a lot out there right now since I've talked to him. Really? He hasn't seen shit. Idaho is just in a tough spot, man. It's really tough. Yeah, yeah and I just got back last week from a hunt in Idaho. Um, I had a deer tag. My brother had a deer tag and an elk tag, and we, we didn't kill. I saw a ton of does, though. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the, the topic of discussion I thought we'd talk about today is just, you know, late season mule deer hunting and, you know, tips and tactics. And I kind of broke it down in some bullet points, you know, things that I thought we should touch on. Um, first and foremost, I would say, you know, scouting for your late season hunts. I think one of the most common questions I get from people that have a late season rifle tag is like, where should they be hunting? Yeah. That is the trickiest part. How do you, I mean, how do you do it? What do you do? I just listen to whatever Brady tells me most of the time. <laughs> well, Brady, see, like Brady, Brady tells you to go high. <laughs> that's Brady's theory, right? It's Always it's just go high. What do you think go. about Brady's theory? Uh, <laughs> I've been on a lot of hunts with him where I've gone high and I haven't seen shit. I mean, there <laughs> there is some. But there is something to be said about, I there, mean, he's killed big deer high, too. There is some validity to it. But a broken clock is right twice a day, you know? <laughs> so it's like it's kind of walking the fine line of, of those two things. I think there's so much more that goes into a late-season hunt than that. Like late-season hunt, it, there's so many variables. It's like the early-season hunt. You know exactly where to start, exactly what to do. Yeah, go high. Yeah. you just yeah. It's like laid out in front of you. Those late-season hunts, it's like, I mean, it's processing a lot of different data points to figure out, like, okay, where am I starting this time? And then I, what I like to say is I just like to hunt where the deer are. Yeah. So. I think you kind of have to check them all off. Start so how, high, how do you, how do, you do that? Let's say, let's say you've got a, f- a couple of days. Let's, let's give a scenario. So let's say you've got a third season rifle deer tag in Colorado, and you're going to show up two days early. you got two days to scout before the opener. What's your process? Like what are you, what are you looking at in terms of habitat, and like what factors do you take into consideration as, as, as to where you start looking? Um, two, days, two days early. I mean, it depends – has it been uh, wet, dry, wet, cold? You know, dry and warm. Yeah. Is that wet the first consideration then for weather? you? Yeah. yeah. Weather. For you, hundred percent. It's been, and, and it's not just like the current weather. It's been the trend of weather is what I would like first consider. Is like, okay, what's the last thirty days of weather mm-hmm. look like? And that's kind of where I would start. I mean, obviously the, you know, the closer, the last. 10 days and the 10 days going forward weather is going to hold a lot more data than like what the previous 20 days were but that's t- typically that's where i would start is like okay what kind of year has it been it's been a wet summer you know like mm-hmm. you start to kind of develop all this stuff um and it gives that's typically where i've always started with like late season yeah, hunts, okay then you probably get a better guess of like what elevation to start at because yeah. if they've gotten a huge snowstorm for the last two weeks like you're gonna have deer, they're gonna be pushing down. Doesn't fade Brady. 
Does Brady it, goes. Does Brady goes. He's got to check it off his list. Well, his theory is the bigger mule deer will wait till the, they'll be the last ones to go down. Is what his his theory is. So he believes like till the snow's not like hitting their belly, like they will stay up as high as possible. I think that time of year, I mean, you're moving in November. You're knocking on the door of the rut. I think those bucks are are, are moving. They're kind of getting towards where they might want to be near does. Yeah, they're staging. They're kind of staging up. Yeah. And I would say primarily they're holding up in timber. I mean, mm-hmm. like I just barely saw in Idaho. I just came back from a hunt. We saw a ton of does, lots and lots of does. We saw quite a few young bucks. We just weren't seeing big mature bucks. It's not because I don't think they were there. I just think they were holed up. Yeah. I think they're, they're timbered up. And that's the other thing, too. If it's been a wet late summer which it was this year mm-hmm. that timber is going to have a ton of feed in it yeah it's going to hold that feed through if you get if you get you know that late wet stuff through the summer mm-hmm. it's going to hold in the timber they can stay in there for a lot longer whereas you know mm-hmm. if you get a dry hot as shit yeah not much going on and it looks like a you know a tabletop in there there's nothing growing out of the ground like that's those are the years where they you know everyone's like oh it's been a really good pre-rut not really it's you know could be predicated on like how dry you know yeah. how dry all the feed was the drier it is the, you know the le- the less feed you're going to have in those trees yeah, yeah. you're so you 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 have a pretty good knowledge of like vegetation and like what mule deer are eating in that time of year like what would you recommend somebody like what vegetation yeah, Trail, tell us about your, <laughs> your <laughs> past <laughs> life i want to hear about veget- that's something yeah. like i'm not that great i'm at. not that good at either like I, sage you know. brush Oak brush, like I, yeah, deer like that. Like I'm looking yeah, for that kind of stuff. But yeah, sage oak. Um, I mean, deer are primarily a browse species, so they're much more of a specialist than an elk. So an elk. I mean, we were seeing elk, for example. We were seeing elk eating, you know, mostly grasses. They'll eat some forbs. They'll eat a lot of everything, right? They can move across the landscape. That's why I feel like if you bump an elk, an elk can go into the next range or three ranges over, and he can still make do because he's he's got food to eat, right? No matter yeah. where he's at. But a deer is primarily a browse species, so they are eating things like sagebrush, bitter brush, um, you know, snowberry bush. Uh, they're going to eat browse, you know, mostly, you know, plants that are, you know, higher in nutrition, right? They have a, a more specific window of what they can eat. So, I mean, those are things I'm looking at, especially late season. I mean, late season, you're looking at things like mahogany. You're looking at, you know, sagebrush, bitter brush. You're looking at those types of plants because that's what they're, they're going to so eat. So, what I'm speaking to about the, like, the forest habitat and, and feed they have in there i'm speaking of like pine nuts right mm-hmm. like For- forbs, acorns Forbes snowberry bush is a classic bush it'll grow you know in those pine so what's pine the science asp- behind a- that aspen what's Sci- the science behind that like you, if they if, it, if it's been a wet late summer and those pines are dropping really good pine nuts and oaks are dropping good acorns mm-hmm. like they don't need to leave at all then no, they, they can stay timbered up. It's, I mean, if, if there's if there's sunlight, right? So if the, if the forest isn't so dense that you can get some sunlight to the forest floor, I mean, I wouldn't go into a monoculture of pine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Expect to find deer. Or a monoculture of, uh, you know, pinion juniper. There's just nothing growing underneath yeah. it. There's no understory. You so can you tell his past life with how he says that. I would, just, I would just say, you know, thick, <laughs> thick pines. Have a def- <laughs> we might need to have like a dictionary definition pop up on the screen. But, but you guys know what I mean, right? Like yeah, if you, for sure. You've been to those those pinion and, pinion and uh, juniper mm-hmm. groves where there's just nothing growing out. There's nothing underneath it. There's looks no, like a no understory. Yeah, it looks I mean, like a cafeteria, it, cafeteria tabletop when just you walk in there. C- cleaned off. So there's mm-hmm. nothing in there you know, for them to eat. So, yeah, you've got to have some, some sunlight. It can't be so thick that there's nothing growing up underneath it rest of those trees and then yeah i mean if you get a a good wet late you know summer spring you can have good vegetation you know in those types of areas and those deer will hold up i mean they yeah. won't leave we see it with elk too 
For sure. Um, you know, beetle kill areas, right? Where you've got a lot of standing dead, you've got a bunch of jack straw, you've opened up a bunch of resources for light and water, and you have a bunch of vegetation that's popped up and doing really well. So they can definitely make it in that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. And then does, does some of that vegetation vary on elevation to where it'll grow? Yeah, I mean, snowberry is typically a higher elevation, you know, right. type of plant. You know, like sage can grow higher elevation. Yeah, and you have different types of sage, you know, that'll kind of give black sage of your traditional, you know. So, mm. so would you, are you looking more at elevation or are you looking at feed when you're trying to find a spot to go for like late season mule deer? Yeah, I mean, guess going back to the original question is like, I look primarily first at weather, right? So yeah. if, if you had a lot of snow and it's real cold, yep. I'm probably going to transition down to like a little bit transitional range, mountain mahogany, aspen, sage interface, yep. pinion of juniper, sage interface. It's like that that section that's kind of a slightly lower elevation than the high alpine type To the stuff. non-biologist, I'm looking at snow line <laughs> and below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's some weight to Brady saying, you know, he thinks those bigger bucks. I mean, I... I think they end up, a lot of those bigger bucks, I mean, they'll end up wintering high. You do definitely see some yeah. bucks in January, February that just stay clear up to their bellies in snow. I don't what know. I, what I've seen with that, you know, Brady, look, you know, it is a shame Brady's not here for this, but we can have a follow-up <laughs> with him. You know, he's got he's got more experience with just being high. That's what he, that's what he does. So mm-hmm. I don't want to discount yeah. that. But from my experiences hunting over the last long time, all late season hunts, it's like you know those those younger big bucks will leave early mm-hmm. and the older like kind of done with it bucks will leave early those bucks that are in their prime had good feed through the winter you know stacking on have been stacking on weight and and you know have a good body composition health going into this early part you know this early part of winter or early part of when it's getting cold like yeah those those bucks i've seen tend to stay like till the snow's up to their right. belly but I, I've never seen all the big bucks because then you get some of those older age bucks that are just kind of like ready to pack it in, send it in, right? It's like every you, – you hear about guys all the time hunting a specific deer, you know, mm-hmm. for three, four years in a row, and then they finally kill him when he's eight or nine years old. He's mm-hmm. just – it's kind of like yeah. when they're done with it and they finally make they, a mistake. They make a mistake. Yeah. And it's like you have those those early big – you know, those big little bucks, those big young bucks that will peel off early, and then you have kind of those old decline bucks that will peel off early, which, you know – are awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. they're awesome but those yeah the prime age i've seen stay like brady's talking about for sure yeah yeah and i feel like with that hunt is you're not going to see as many deer but your chances of seeing maybe a, a bigger big buck yeah like that's what brady's looking for right he wants mm-hmm. one big buck like he doesn't yeah. care if he doesn't see anything the whole entire trip as long as he sees one big buck that he can shoot yep. yeah which for some people that's difficult like to oh, stay motivated and not see a single hard. deer yeah. day after day after day but like no, if That's you tough. grind it out, like eventually. That's yeah. when you're wishing you were on an antelope hunt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can say extremely motivated if I know a buck is there. No question. If I seen, if I've seen a buck, if I've scouted a buck, if I've got a glimpse of him, you know, one evening, yeah, no I can question. hunt that area and stay with it, and I can go days on end without seeing any deer and feel right. okay about it. It's it's staying in it when you don't know if there is yeah. something there or not. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I, I mean, I. I think about the weather first and foremost, yeah. just like you guys. I mean, if it's if I add some snow, if not, I'm probably going to go high. Yeah. I mean, if it's dry and warm. If it's been warm and dry, start as high as you can go. Yeah, aspen, pine, sage interface, kind of yeah. that mosaic. And we've talked about it a ton, but, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, high alpine basin-y stuff. I mean, if, if it's got some, you know, and, and again, mosaic's a huge 
word for me. It's kind of that intermix of yeah. right. It's got feed. It's feed, got cover. Cover water. Mm-hmm. I think a mosaic's a good way to say it, though. That's yeah. where all that vegetation's just kind of intermingled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems like those smaller, smaller like feeding pockets, like in the timber, not as big. Like it seems like those that's are, where the that's where the big bucks are going to pop. Those out. are the money spots for you know the 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 warm dry years. Those are the money spots. Yeah. I think about some of the bigger bucks I've seen on later season hunts in the last few years. Um, a lot of those bigger bucks I've seen haven't been necessarily like inaccessible. Like they've been, some of them are obviously. And I think, yeah. you know, hunting pressure, you can get away from people and probably, you know, increase your chances of seeing a bigger buck maybe. Yeah. But some of those, a lot of them I've seen have just been tucked away in pockets that you people just weren't able to glass from whatever location Mm -hmm. most locations that they were in so they were using the roads they were hitting like your normal glassing points but they weren't finding like this little pocket that you could only see from one area right Mm -hmm. so i would say yeah i look i I look at weather and then i look at you know areas that potentially you aren't being able to look at from the obvious spots yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about uh finding like how do you guys hunt late season deer like what's your method I move around a lot. Well, like we just talked about, you know, coming off of the type of year it's been, and that'll kind of dictate the, you know, the e-scouting and what I'm looking for and, you know, glassing points, all that stuff. Because the first thing I'm doing is moving around a ton and using the right. glass to do all the work. Right. All the work. Glassing. Yeah. Do all, I mean, two days early, I might leave my truck in the middle of the day and that's it. Like You're covering ground though. Covering ground. Just all kinds of right. uh, elevation, glassing, finding, where like like deer. I was, you know, like I was saying earlier, I like to hunt where the deer are in the late season. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> first way to start that is to is to find the deer, and it's kind of that age old saying with mule deer is Halloween and on gets pretty spooky, right? That's like <laughs> always been the that's always yeah. been the thing. It's it, there is something special to it. It's like, you know, um, Labor Day for for elk. It's kind of like when things start yeah. kicking, you know. What with you, mule deer, it's right right around Halloween. So I mean, what are your glassing techniques? What do you what do you do? Because I mean, that's that's primarily, isn't it? It's spending as much time as you possibly can behind right. glass. No question. Yeah. Before two days early, like you're saying, absolutely. If you don't have the time to scout, then I would put myself in right. situations first, right? And in maybe a mix of like, I have a chance. I'm thinking they could be in this area, depending on all the data from, you know, earlier mm-hmm. weather and things going on and maybe some reports I've heard about the state and what's going on there. Like I'll probably, I'll put myself out there and take a guess, kind of take a leap of faith before, you know, actually knowing where the deer are, but the two days early. Yeah. I mean, that's right. just, it is all glass. Yeah. The boots on the ground, like you're saying, just glassing, moving around. Yeah. And then, like, being cognizant of what you're seeing, right? Like, what elevation are the deer at? Are you seeing a lot of does? Are you seeing a lot of little bucks? Are they rutting? And just kind of keeping that in the back of your head and then then putting yourself in the best position. Yeah. Like, where the deer are. Like, if I know there's a shit ton of does, like, I'm seeing a ton of does, like, sooner or later, there's going to be a buck there. I'm coming back and checking each pocket of doe I find in those two days with no bucks. I'm coming back and checking every other day, every Mm -hmm. third day kind of a thing. Yeah, because yeah. you, you'll a buck will be in there sooner or later. Get spooky after yeah. Halloween, man. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> what are you What are you using for glass? Oh, I got some big dogs for the truck. Yeah, fifteens. Fifteens. Yeah, fifteens window mount. Yeah, I got BTX. <laughs> yeah, he's got super big. Dogs. I got neck. I got neck issues. <laughs> Do you ever, my previous life, I can't spinal? sit out of my <laughs> spinal. Uh, it's spinal for sure. 
broke my back. Um, no, I I can't I can't glass like that. It drives me nuts. So I'm I'm always getting out of the truck, standing on the bed of the truck, getting a little extra. You know, that extra four feet matters. Does the BTX ever drive you nuts? Because it's got it's so close. I mean, what's your process? Do you mount do you mount a set of tens and scan yeah. the landscape yep. and so then throw BTX I or have, do you go straight to it? No, I have tens and a BTX and I'll mount my mount my tens. You know, just uh-huh. kind of do the the first pass of everything, the first big sweeps. If there's anything obvious, right? Like, you don't really need anything past a ten to find anything obvious. Not mm-hmm. the best glasser on the planet, but if something's standing on a broad right. hillside, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I kind of do that first pass, and if I need to start dissecting and um, you know looking into pockets of stuff, then I'll switch over to the BTX. Or if I find something, want to see what it is, I switch over to the BTX. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same thing. I mean, I've got tens, fifteens are great. I mean, like I, I think I said in a previous podcast, probably one of the the biggest. You know, my heart really hurt is when I sold my my SLC fifteens. Yeah. I wish I had those suckers back because they really oh. are good for finding deer. I, uh, yeah, I was so committed to those things, and then two years ago, I, last year, so this is my second season, switching over to just straight tens and BTX. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good. I don't need those. <laughs> what do you What do you think as uh like committing to like a spot to an area five or six miles in versus moving around as much as possible and then deciding from there man it it goes back to depends if you're two days early or if you're yeah you don't have a lot of you know a lot of times you don't have that luxury of you can't miss the first two days you can't miss two extra days of work Mm -hmm. on the front end of a hunt and then hunt the entire hunt most of the even even if it was like if you went you had started the season like some guy has never been in this area, you know, do you think it'd be better for that person to go to the spot they had picked six miles in where they have to hike all the way in or get a lay of the land for like the first two days and then decide from there? Yeah. Yeah. I think getting a lay of the land is always good. You know, drive, you know, drive the roads, look, look at country as much as you can, you know, look for deer. If you see something great, you know, if not keep moving, I'm guilty of, of uh, picking a spot like whether I've seen something or not, you know, and committing to it and spending a week. And reality, there's so many times when I know I get towards the end of the week and I know for a fact that I should have pulled camp and I should have moved. Like I should have covered more ground than what I did. And a lot of the times I justify, you know, I make excuses for myself like, uh, you know, it's so far, you know, I'm seeing some deer here, but like reality is I wasn't seeing the thing that I was looking for. Like in my heart, I know I should have pulled stakes and moved on. I'm really guilty of that. Yeah, I, I would say don't do that. Yeah, I would say I would say move country until you find the thing that you're yeah, looking for. Yeah, the last the last time I did that, Brandon and I went to Idaho, and it's we it's one of our films. I can't remember the title of that one. High Between Basins or some high and dry. No, one of those. No, oh no. Or big uh, broken country or something. It's one of those. Uh, names. What is it? Yeah, I know which one. You're, you yeah, would, so you did like the general. Yeah, detail. him yeah, and I, yeah, we yeah. didn't we didn't have time to scout. Um, it was kind of a fill-in hunt for both of us, honestly. And it a crazy cold snap. I mean, day the first day we hiked in, when we left the truck, it was like 14, 15 degrees. I mean, it was like a crazy cold, cold snap for mid mid October. But we had we had already picked a spot. We had committed. We went clear back in there, and we saw some bucks. But the one big buck we saw was inaccessible from where we were. Mm-hmm. So, and we only had a five day hunt. It was like I said, it was kind of a mm-hmm. fill in deal. We were just trying to figure it out. Um, you know, fill our season in with something. And, uh, the one big buck we saw was to the South, you know, miles across on this big snowy, um, like kind of 
shale face, big snowy thing. And we couldn't get to him from where we were. So like it was, uh, became a hunt of like, okay, do we stick it out in here? Cause we're seeing little bucks or should we pull, get to the truck, go there and maybe we'll have, you know, two days to go kill that buck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we committed for too long because we were seeing deer. Right? Yeah. Like we were seeing bucks. We never saw anything past a, a, I think the biggest thing we saw was like a smaller three by four. And the buck on that we were seeing with glass from miles away was a clear framey. Like that was a buck we were there for, mm-hmm. you know, like that was one we were after. And yeah, we, we only had five days and we were committed. We were already in there. We were seeing deer. And again, we should have done the same thing. We should have pulled out. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have pulled out. I think a lot of it depends on time frame. Like right. the, That's the, what I was the end of October, you know, a little, those little bit earlier hunts, like I can justify, I think staying, like if I saw a buck, I could make that move, you know, and, yeah. and feel like I could kill him. You get into that November, it's such hit or miss. It can be so hard. I think last year or two years, I'm trying to remember if it was two years ago, but I took my kid to Colorado and I saw a big buck in a pocket and I hunted that same pocket for like, you know, three days, morning, mm-hmm. evening, never saw that buck again. And I think it was just that time of year where those bucks are moving and they're yeah. checking does. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I should move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've, I've checked here for, you know, right. three, ni- you know, two more, a morning, a night and a morning and I'm not seeing him, you know, maybe check back periodically, but like it's time to move on where I didn't, you know, I should, I just stayed, yep. stayed with it. It's hard. That's, that's the first part of November is tricky. Oh, it's, it's yeah. extremely how, tricky. How far do you think? That's probably the trickiest I agree. part because yeah. we were mid October, which we knew that deer were, was, was going to be was there probably. Yeah. Now, now this gets into a whole other conversation is we're, it's me and Brandon. We both have tags. So the conversation was, do we sell out, uh, you know, a day and a half of getting to that buck and only mm-hmm. kill one deer or do we stay in here where we're seeing a lot of deer and yeah. potentially both of us kill a buck. Right. Mm-hmm. So it gets into like, you know, partner hunting a, a and value judgment yeah there. it's like yeah. what do we, man what do we do one of us do we go to it so it was it was true we knew he was going to stay there it was mid-october the early november november first time like right after halloween mm-hmm. it gets spooky right so it is hard to like that's uh, in my opinion that is the toughest time like november 1st to the 10th or 11th mm-hmm. like that is the toughest yeah i remember you know third season hunt several years ago first week of november you know, those bucks are kind of pre-rut. They're yeah. not really locked down on a doe. And I remember sitting in a on a canyon and watching this face, and I could see, you know, different groups of does in this canyon and watching a buck come over, basically walk between every group of does and just check those groups, you know, and yeah. then just disappear. He's like, nope, not here, nope, not yeah. here. Okay, I'm going to move on. Like, right. that can be – man, that's hard. That's tough. So, like, in November, obviously, they're, they're moving more often than October. Like, how far do you think a mule deer – how a buck how, will move. How many miles are we talking? I shot a collared buck in 2017. I always get my years mixed up. Life goes by so <laughs> fucking. It's crazy. I think I believe it was 2017. I shot a collared buck in Colorado when I turned in the collar. It came from, uh, as a crow flies, 18 miles away. As a crow Where? flies. And it left, I think it left like four or five days before the day I killed it is when they had the data yeah. on it of it actually leaving and moving, and it was 18 miles as a crow flies. <laughs> I don't want to give locations. But right. Yeah, you know. that's crazy. See, that that's the one thing, too, that I think uh, if you think about your strategy and how to hunt, right? So the, you know these mule deer, they're in the rut. They're moving a lot. So there's like the strategy, if you sit and wait in the same basin long enough, that a mule yeah. deer will come in, a good <laughs> buck will come into you yeah. eventually. Maybe. <laughs> or you keep moving and you're basically saying, I'm going to find this well, you're getting in into, a perfect spot. Well, you're getting into 
different topography tactics there now. Yeah. Like Nevada, you hunt if you are lucky enough to have one of those tags in Nevada that goes to, you know, through the first week of November. It's like, dude, hearing about a buck in Nevada that traveled 15, 18, 20 miles is nothing, like, no big deal. Happens all the time. You talk to any one of these Deseret mm -hmm. guys out here that, you know, we all talk to. I mean, they're shooting bucks that travel so far, but that's what they have to do in the desert. I mean, there's just not a lot of, not mm -hmm. a lot of does. When you start getting into Colorado and Wyoming and like this big mountain country where there's does everywhere, there is the, the thought of like, maybe a buck will come into me. I don't think it's like Nevada or in Arizona or something like that where, yeah. you know, a buck's truly moving. I think all the bucks are moving like that. I think it's kind of a one-off thing almost. I think that's what's kind of exciting about this time of year, like those November hunts, is you just never know. Never right. know. Like you could get up on any given day and see a buck you've never, you know, never dreamed of. So you could be all. driving the road at yeah, noon. And it's like, where did you come from? Yeah. yeah. It's like, how we, the hell did you get here? We've all seen bucks. I haven't been fortunate enough, but I have buddies that have, have shot bucks from the road. I've never shot one like that, but I've seen them cross on the road, and I'm like, yeah. holy shit, we got to find that deer. <laughs> yeah. Going back to glassing, one other point I was going to bring up, I think I think people have a tendency to, uh, you know, sleep in on a late hunt. Mm. It's freezing cold. You know, they don't get to the glassing point yep. until, you know, well after light. Brady? <laughs> Dude. We did see Brady sleeping in on the last film that he was in. <laughs> and but it I, was cold. Uh, never yeah. seen a guy sleep like that. I, I see that all the time, though. Uh, so I would say... I mean, whether you're hunting early season or late season, you know, be to wherever you want to be. Start glassing before light, you know, 15 minutes before light. And stay At till least, dark. Man. Yeah. I saw so many guys in Idaho this last week that were, you know, driving the roads. They were, you know, back in camp, campfires going, you mm -hmm. know. I mean. And it's well even if you don't shoot one, that, like, extra intel of. You're, you're building. You, right. You're, you're seeing something at the very last light, like at least you know like you're in a good area or well, and, you see a buck. And, I mean, you, you can make up a game plan for the next morning. So you're setting yourself up better down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like a, a lot of the strategy in early season too is like you want to get in there way before light. Let it calm down, right? Like mm -hmm. let it get still again before the sun comes up and the deer start moving again. Because if you're driving your truck in there right at light, like I mean, you're going to – kind of mess with the natural progression of what those deer are doing we're in early season we all kind of know like get there an hour early sit let it get calm i honestly think late season hunt is the same which is it's tough to do because it's so damn cold outside mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the behavior of just because it's cold doesn't make the deer like more laxed mm. i mean if they see you coming in right at light yeah i mean it's it's not gonna right sit naturally like it would have if you would have been there let it calm down let the deer kind of yeah. you know i think neville makes a good point i think a lot of times you'll see something right at right at last light for sure and and set yourself up for success the next day it's i like to call it the slow play and you're, you're building intel it might you take you are the slow play <laughs> professional <laughs> yeah it may take let's just wait it out a little it'll be here tomorrow <laughs> I thought they said. Trail. I thought you said they move 15 miles a day. <laughs> It'll be here tomorrow. Trails the slow play. It, it may take you two or three days to put together enough intel. I mean, we just got back from Idaho, like I said, and my brother was hunting. He really wanted to kill an elk, and very yeah. very first day up in a basin, I glassed three and a half miles away, and I see a herd of elk. You know, so the next day we moved down on the opposite side of the ridge, glass back. Here's the elk, but we're half a mile instead mm -hmm. of you know three right miles. On them. But still not close enough for a shot. You know, we didn't really get into those those basins and kind of figure them out until like day four or five. You know, and then we're we're having elk at 140 yards. We never had a bull, but we had you know lots of cows yeah. within 140 yards. But it took me, like I said, four days to figure that out to like know where the wind, you know, best access, yep. timing. So yeah, I'm I like slow play. <laughs> Do you think does move a lot? 
during the rut, or are they seen in the same area? I think they're moving a little bit if you got weather, but I think for a lot of – I don't think they move a ton. I, weather might force them out. Yeah. I think they move, you know, north side, north slope to a south slope. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like mm -hmm. what I've seen. It's what yeah. the does do. Yeah, to, to me, I always be cognizant of where the does are. Yeah. Checking, so, like, Brady's giant buck that we shot, we were in Colorado. We looked at this basin five days in a row. Yeah. There's always does in it. Every single day. And it wasn't until the sixth day we came in there, same group of does, and there was a 200-inch buck sitting yeah. in there. That's what we're talking about, yeah. checking does. Yeah. Like, if you, if you find a pocket of does, a good, healthy pocket of does, you know, it's it's worth it to keep, you know, keep going back and checking. Right. If it's if it's easy, like, back yeah. on your way to camp like that one was, where you could, could check every single day, I would say, yeah, for sure, check it every single day. If it's not so easy, you know, mm -hmm. logistically, then check it every mm -hmm. other day, every third day. You know, it's yeah. something's showing up. Yeah, right. some of the yeah. best late season rifle guys that I know spend, you know, their scouting days. They'll they'll drive and scout and they'll look for a buck, sure, but they're really definitely paying attention to, to those, the does, especially in, in November. Yeah, taking yeah. inventory. And those guys, a lot of them just check those groups of does every yep. day. You know, they'll just go from yeah, they'll go forth. from area to area yep. to area to where they saw those does and check them every single day. Yeah. A lot of the time, they aren't putting in a lot of work as far as like hiking. A lot of the time, they're just cruising on a four wheeler, jumping off a four wheeler, hiking off to a knob, checking a basin real quick. That's what I'm saying. I'm the world's greatest road hunter. The first two <laughs> days of a hunt. It's 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 actually so Porter, um, you know, helped me found this business helped me build this business he's been an amazing asset to us it's his 40th birthday this year i don't mm -hmm. want to age him but um as a huge thank you to him in the last eight years him and i have spent together i bought him a, a really good tag in colorado um it's a third season tag so right now our conversation is exactly what you just said so he's kind of chomping at the bit asking me every single day what are we doing and eat this and that like look we're getting there two days early and all we're going to do is drive around and look for does that's all we're doing mm -hmm. right it's it's a it's a third season hunt and, uh, yeah, I mean, all I'm doing, him and he's, you know, you guys know how Porter is. It's kind of hard to. He wants to know. Oh, he wants to know everything. I keep telling him, like, we're just going to go hang out and bullshit and go find the dose. We're going to take inventory. That's all we're doing. Yeah. That's all we're doing is just taking inventory of where these does are because we're going to get there on the 10th, mm -hmm. which should be, you know, right when these bucks are getting closer to where they're going to be. I, I don't know if you agree with me. I think that first through the 10th is kind of the real hard real hard guess yeah right? it's hard once you break like the 10th mm -hmm. plus it kind of gets a little more set into place about which which bucks are going to be in your area during your you mm -hmm. know five seven day hunt whatever it is so i'm telling him like man there's no plan the plan is literally we're just going to drive around and go look for every single doe we can find if we find a buck great yeah like, awesome we'll sit on it i mean if you find the one i mean how lucky is that to find right. it and just sit on them for two days and mm -hmm. yeah. think about how great it's going to be when the <laughs> sun comes up on opening morning yeah of course right like everybody you hope that happens yeah but i'm not going out we're not going out there with those intentions i mean we're going out there i have three glassing spots i've kind of you know already pre-marked all three of us are going to split up we're going to go sit on those morning and night and count the does and or the that night we get there, and then the next morning we'll kind of drive the roads, go back and check, take more inventory. It's exactly what we're doing. It's all does. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's a, a stellar tactic if you've got yeah. that November hunt. If if you can do it, you know, just check, be aware of the does. And, and like I said, I'm not great at it. Sometimes I get locked down in an area, but some of the best guys I know, that's what they do. Yeah. They cover country. Right. They look for does. Well, this where we're hunting too. There's no like true, like 
broken high country mm-hmm. a lot of oaky a lot of brushy stuff that's uh, the rut hunting there is incredible and uh and the reason for it is you never know what's going to show up out of these out of these bushes that are staged up right it's like mm-hmm. so i mean to go think you're going to find the one in one day of scouting when there's all that covered brush yeah. right like no check the check the does and wait for something to come out of the brush yep um do you guys approach like stock spot and stocked i mean it's it's mostly spot and stock right so you're covering country you're glassing you know you're looking for does you know the actual like making the shot do you approach that differently than you do with like an archery hunt or is it pretty much the same i mean are are you more aggressive Mm, oh yeah probably i'd say more aggressive say i mean you got a gun so you can shoot further Mm -hmm. but but i think some people do are like a little lax on like how they're approaching the animal yeah we're like oh i'm 500 700 yards away i can just waltz up here i feel like if it's a big buck that thing is gone like, yeah, I, I want to say again, it depends, and I don't want to, you know, but there's so much that that goes into it. I think, w- which you know, is is the is the buck you found that you want and you want to stock. Is it locked down? Uh, is it locked onto one doe? Like is his his body language like it's one doe? He's got his nose up or ass the entire morning, the entire time you're watching him. If so, that buck's going to be there for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can really kind of game plan. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to get in there? I want a 300-yard shot. Just make sure everything is falls into place and you're going to get that buck killed. Now, if it's more, um, you know, he's checking all the does. He's not really interested in one. Just kind of trying to see if one's hot, trying to figure out what, what's going on. I think that puts the pressure on where you're like, I'm in. Like full send. Right. Just just mm-hmm. go get high country or, or high ground on him and, and try to get a shot. I think it... I think it changes on the body language of the buck itself that you're trying to kill. Yeah. It's like that antelope I just killed. You know, he was so locked onto one doe. He was, it was one doe and one doe only. He fought off two other smaller bucks that, that, uh, and I hate to compare a mule deer to an antelope, but rut is fairly similar, right? Once they get locked down on one, it's kind of a, a doe and him aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of that body language of the buck is what I would pay attention to first, whether it was kind of a, slow play make sure you get a 300 yard shot or a full send and get him killed no matter yeah. what yeah you know yeah i would say <clears throat> i would say i'm a lot more aggressive with a rifle like if i see a buck i'm going like that moment whereas with a bow in my hand yeah i may sit down and you know watch really think about it think about yeah. you know where that where is that thing going whereas I, f- I feel like with a mule deer if i see it i'm gone especially a big one yeah and it's I, just so few and far <coughs> between and they're yeah. so smart They've made it through how many seasons? Like, you're not going to outthink them. Just go. Yeah. Just run. Just do Just it. go. I think a lot of people are too patient, with, even with a rifle in their hand. I think they sit yeah. and they look, they look at a buck. Oh, I'd love to take that buck, but he's two miles away, you know, or he's a mile and a half away. Yeah. I can't make it there. There's only an hour of light. Like, yeah. Oh, I see that one. Full all send. The, I see that one all the time. I mean, yeah. that's that's with that's with any, any yeah. animal. It's always like the... Uh, so far it's gonna yeah. be so hard like no way oh and there's works. only an hour and a half of life. <laughs> like what yeah. are your chances that it works out it's like if you think like that then it's yeah and, you're and setting yourself up for it not to happen really like what is what is the average pace a mile in the mountains like not yours or brady's or or well, even like ours <laughs> but like what's the average pace how many you know like 30 miles yeah i mean it's probably yeah. two and a half three miles an hour it's an hour right yeah so it's like when people say oh there's only an hour and a half left he's two miles away yeah it's perfect yep. like you're gonna get him killed you know right. but you hear it a lot and you see it a lot where people kind of lax and they're like oh i'll come back tomorrow i, I got d- a gun I, in my hand i, I can still get him yeah. killed 
I'd rather get there within 800 yards and find out that I ran out of light and didn't get a shot. And see exactly where he tucks in for the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or not, you know, then just sit there from a mile and not get a shot at all, yeah. you know? It's way, totally easier, it's way easier to talk yourself into, like, why you shouldn't do it instead of just going, doing it. Just full send. Like, you just always think about it, it's like, I'm out here, like, this is what I'm yeah. here to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I took my week off to hunt. Like I'm gonna hunt as hard as I can. Well, then late late season hunts too. I think a lot of it comes in the confidence of your gear too. It's like you know yeah. you don't want to get stuck out there, dark, sweaty. I mean, if you got confidence in your gear though, like send have, it, go yeah. for it. Do you have right? everything that you need? Yeah. <coughs> you know, take everything you're gonna need to get back safely. Obviously, you know you know it's cold. You know it's getting dark quick. Mm-hmm. Just. Do you feel like people get sloppy with like their other senses with sight and sound or oh, yeah. sight, sound and, and smell with yes. a rifle? I think they get really sloppy with smell. Oh, I yeah. do. All that. Really sloppy. Yeah, even sight. I mean, I, c- I can think of a situation the last couple of years. I had a buck uh, bedded at, th- at the edge of a clearing. Um, and I remember kind of sneaking up to this knob and, you know, ranged him. He's 510 yards. And I remember thinking, oh, I've got, l- I can, I can stand up. I yeah. can stretch her out a little bit. That guy saw he busted me just that quick, yeah. and he was gone. I, th- I think people can get sloppy with the distance that a rifle gives you. You know, you, you know, right. within 500 yards, it's a makeable shot. I've got all kinds of room to, you know, yeah. I can. The wind doesn't matter. It totally matters. I mean, we got busted last week by a herd of elk. We were probably 600, 700 yards. Yeah. You know, and it was it wasn't even a stiff wind. It was a breeze. Right. Right. I mean that. Yeah, I mean you're you're dealing with that time of year you're dealing with so many eyes so many noses mm-hmm. one set off one of the you know however many you see in the group and it's over it's like it's not just the one buck you're after it could be the yeah. 10 dozies with too if you just piss off one of the does or make yeah. one of the does it's a little cagey it's over it's always those and dang does always man and they're always. they're a little on high alert compared to different times i mean it's it's rifle hunting season like yeah. they've been shot at they've heard gunshots yeah. Yeah. And I, I was this. I've had that. They've been chased thing. for a while going same into thing November. Happened. I mean, you think that's a? They've been, they've seen a lot of shit by the time November. Oh gets yeah, here. They're, they're three or four hunts deep in some cases. Oh. You just gotta hunt rough. with Brady a couple times, and yeah. he'll yell at you if you're standing up too high, or like he's, if you're. Dude, dude he's it, dedicated when, to the grind. That's when for he sure. sees, I remember, cameraman. You just better get your shit <laughs> in order. I drank too will, much water. I'll be right back. He will let you have it. So, like, there's been before Colorado Mather and, like, going over the top of this hill, sees a good buck. It's, like, 700 yards. Like, he's, like, looks at both ends, and he's, like, you guys need to stay as low as possible when we're walking down over here. Yeah. And he looks back, and there's Mather just standing straight up, and then that buck just goes, gone. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, myself included, I think people get sloppy on rifle hunts because they assume that, you know, they, they can be. Like, oh, that deer is 700 yards. I can skylight myself and, right. you know, I don't have to pay attention to wind like I would or, you know, whatever it is or sound. You know, you get within 150, 200 yards, like, oh, I can just be, you know, cruising through the oak brush, you know, making all kinds of noise and it doesn't matter. But I don't think that's the case. And, I mean, I have plenty of examples that I could point to where, you know, I got busted when I shouldn't have just being stupid. Donners. Yeah. Man, there's nothing worse than. Nothing makes you feel as small, you know, like a incompetent hunter than getting busted with a rifle in your hand at 500 yards. Oh my god! <laughs> just it's because you like, were what am I doing? Just because you were so sloppy. You've been archery hunting all year long, <laughs> just trying to get to 20 yards. That's what it is. I think all my patience is wore out by the time I get to a rifle season. Yeah, I'm just ready to launch. I'm just bombs. ready to launch bombs and and not not care as much. Oh man, that's what happens. Yeah. 
What, uh, I mean, talking about weapons, rifles, you're a big rifle. You like rifle? You like rifle hunting? I wouldn't say I'm a big rifle guy, but. Do you like yeah, it? I like rifle hunting, yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm pretty like seasonal, seasonal Just whatever's in season? For how I feel. Like, you know, September, I'm like full on all I care about elk hunting. Mm-hmm. And once the late season starts to kick in, the rut starts to kick in, like I'm, like I want to shoot deer. Yeah. So I, I mean, I mean, I kind of have to put a rifle in my hand because <laughs> that's, you know, that's what everyone's hunting with. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind shooting rifles. I, sh- I shoot, I go out and shoot with Brady a lot. So yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's helped because my background, I've had, I haven't had hardly any experience with, with rifles. Yeah, me either. I don't. I mean, I I grew up rifle and I, hunting, and I, but and I still don't know like a shit ton about rifles. Mm-hmm. Like most of my knowledge, I just have like talked to Brady about. And now that I have my gun so dialed, like I just use the same gun every year because it's I know it so well. I've shot a bunch of stuff with it, all the yardages, all the distances. Like yeah, so I just feel super comfortable with that gun. So I just take the same the same gun out. But I will say on my my first rifle hunt I went on was with Brady and like definitely should have practiced like I see a deer now I need to get set up on my gun the first time I did it I'm like what in the fuck am I doing <laughs> like I'm like bipods coming down like uh, can't even get you pa- know it's, panic it's, mode. it's the typical Full panic I can't mode. see it through my scope you know what I mean it's like, like shit like ten, that like you're a 10 year old you can't find yeah. it in your scope man it's just doing that kind of stuff how like many stories have you guys heard about a giant buck that doesn't get killed because they can't find it in this guy? Yeah. You know, a wife or a kid or a, you know, a fr- just a, a fr- passive or a hunter or a buddy. Yeah. Dude, but that, that all just comes down to like being super familiar with your yeah. equipment, right? So like, you know, like, oh, I need to zoom out my scope or I need to change my focus on my scope. Yeah. You know, you know exactly how your bipod goes down. Yeah. And all that's just like, like even on this Wyoming elk hunt, I just got back on, like I gave my brother my gun to shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm like here just sh- she used my gun like it's dialed in 300 yards like you're perfect and he was and he shot plenty of stuff with rifles and he was like because just because it's a different gun four yeah. to him yeah he's yeah. not he's different not familiar gear. with it yeah like his his sight works different than my sight yeah i've been guilty of this and i hate it about myself is and i don't, I don't know if you guys feel this way but i think people they look at a rifle hunt like the hardest part of that hunt is everything that goes up into the point to where you Shoot. Shoot. Yeah. And I think you'd think that it's automatic. Like you get within right. range, you get a rifle that's sighted in, like this is over and a done deal. Yeah. And I've taken I've taken that approach and I've taken it to gra- you know, for granted and, and I've missed some opportunities because I don't put the time and effort into actually knowing my weapon. Mm-hmm. Whereas we know we know Brady. Brady I don't know how many ra- how many rounds do you think Brady puts down range? Well Brady's just so disciplined with it and that's what he gets into, like with the gear and knowing your gun. It's like it, you know, compare it to anything else where you have a system right like you have a go-to system every time which i i have a go-to system every time with my gun that i like the bipod i take my chest rig off i use that as a backrest so chest rig comes yeah. off i love love laying down but, bipod but how out. much t- how much do you practice that do you not pr- very much but i've done it it's like the only way okay. i know how to do it gotcha. right if i were to have some somebody's gun somebody hands right. me their gun and i haven't practiced with it i didn't already have my chest rig on whatever it was yeah i'd be i'd be lost yeah but the point is i don't i don't ever i hardly ever my brother really? i just took him no very rarely like my brother i just took him like you know i'm like okay you know lay the gun in this tripod yeah. you know take your backpack pull it up against your chest yeah. rest the butt of the rifle 
Like, I don't think people practice that stuff. No. No. And that's where Brady's super disciplined is he's not only disciplined with, like, just shooting. Like, he shoots regularly. But he shoots, like, how many – you asked how many rounds he has mm. downrange. Mm-hmm. Not a ton because he's so <laughs> he's so pragmatic about, like, I'm going to go to the range. I'm going to shoot four shots. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. I'm going to shoot four shots. Let the barrel cool five yeah. to seven minutes between each shot. Yeah, quality. Practice – prone practice sitting with a backpack on my chest and right like he shoots so much if he has if he's not shooting well he just comes back the next day he's yeah. very pragmatic he doesn't send 40 bullets down range and That's one day building all kinds of bad habits on a bad day yeah. i mean he's so practical so pragmatic about it that's why he's so good i mean i think a lot of his stuff that he's like i'm he, i don't think he does a lot of like goes out and practice like situations like where he's standing glassing like i think he knows that like so good because he's done it so many times now he's like so particular on the bullet missing at an inch at 500 yards like and figuring out what his load was in that bullet so that's what he has to he shoots a shit ton just to find like the best bullet for the like he's making the ultimate rifle setup so like the more mistakes he has like his gun's gonna cover a little bit of that up because his gun is so accurate well he knows his he's so accurate yeah. right every gun is for the most part, right? Obviously, you get some wild guns out there, but for the most part, right? I mean, everyone's shooting yeah. decently sub MOA. His is like definitely the think. most accurate. His is probably Dude, his dials when he's dialing in like is, that thing is it's insane. Meant but to he, hit that dot. But he is accurate though too. Right. Like he doesn't have a pull in his shot. He doesn't have a cant in his hand. He doesn't like none of that. None of that's he doesn't have any of it. So yeah, like right. practicing practicing situationally for him doesn't mean as much because he's. He's right. so dialed with everything else that he himself and the gun both will cover a shot maybe that he's never made before. Right? I think I think a lot of that stuff too. Like I've learned from Brady, that's that's made a big difference. Is you know the way you the way you're laying on the ground, the way you're yeah. holding your gun. Like it's the same thing with a bow, right? Like you don't want to torque your bow when you shoot. It's this, it's the same, same thing, thing with a gun. Like I don't, did the don't gun have works. your hand wrapped over the gun if you're shooting yeah. the hand off hard. To, yeah. yeah, like keep your hand off to the side and it's just the tip yeah. of your finger. I did that Gunworks long-range class, and I learned so much through that course. It was three days. I mean, I wish it was like – it's not easy to go do those things, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I had to go clear to uh, Wyoming to do it. It's not easy. It's like you definitely take time, and fortunately, it is kind of part of my job to go do that. Mm-hmm. So I got to do it as part of, mm-hmm. of as part of work, which is what I'm so fortunate to be doing, you know, with, with Go Hunt in my life is to go do those things. But, man, like – Huge difference just in four days. You don't even have to be professional learning. at doing it. Like, no, you just, just have the knowledge of doing that. Learning like, how your to lay chances at shooting yes. something at six hundred yards and being more accurate. Yeah, knowing how to up. lay on the gun and knowing hand placement on the gun and knowing you know your parallax adjustments, right. proper parallax adjustments, like makes all the difference in the world, right? Yeah, and wha- yeah, whether you go to a shooting school or if you just want to do your research, I mean, there's plenty of resources on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. All this stuff exists, of course. Yeah. But point being, you have to do it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, myself yeah. included, because they think, I've got this gun, I sat here in a lead sled in my local yeah. range at 200 yards, and I shot and it's on. a one-inch yeah, group, and, and it's, it's on. on. And now I'm good, right? Yeah. And I think that's a huge mistake. One of the biggest things I learned was the parallax adjustments. So wh- when I was at that gunwork school, so what happens is when you're shooting on a lead sled and you're, you're I don't know the proper terminology here, but like your pupil is straight into the gun when you're on a lead sled. So there's, there's no like 
Yeah. There's no angle of your right. pupil looking into the glass down or up. You don't get those little vignettes out yeah, to the sides. So <laughs> when you are laying down or you are on your knee or you are shooting uphill, whatever it is, the you know, like you look, the, the crosshairs look like they're set and they look like they're on the animal. But what they teach you to do is just kind of like do a yes motion on the stock. And if you're, if you're horizontal bar and your scope is moving up or down, then your parallax is off. So you have to start adjusting your parallax to get that when you're doing that yes motion with your head, if it'll sit and it's not moving when your pupil is moving up and down on that glass. Okay. Now there is no illusion of, you know, like you actually could be looking with your crosshairs higher or lower than they actually look to be mm-hmm. if your parallax isn't adjusted properly. And that's what a lot of people don't understand when they go to the range at 200 yards and everything is perfect, right. Just you know, and they're drilling down. paper at 400 yards perfect out of a lead sled okay well what if you're looking down into that glass just a little bit like that that stuff matters like you're now you're changing angles of how you're seeing everything and optically it could look good but like tactically and in in real practice it's maybe not lined up like you think it is yeah you know i I think too it comes down to how how far do you want to shoot like what's your max i mean once you start getting over 400 yards like there's there's things you need to think about well, you know, that's like the question: is how far do you want to shoot? To three hundred yards, <laughs> yeah. as far as you can, right? Right. As far as you need to to get something killed. Yeah. Like yeah. I, know, far I you know a shoot. lot of people are like, I'm not shooting over three hundred yards. Whereas, like, but are they saying that because they haven't done right that due diligence to be yeah. able to shoot over three hundred yards? That's the thing about Bradys. I feel like that guy can very, very confidently get in position and take a six hundred yard shot yeah. and know for a hundred percent that that's a dead animal. Brady, Brady telling me he took a 700-yard shot is like, you know. You almost take for granted how far it is. I'm like, it's, it, it's like me saying I took a 300-yard shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like a layup for him. It's such a layup for him. It's crazy. But but how cool is it that he can do that? Right. And know he can do and it. And know he can do yeah. it. Yeah, super. And there's a lot of people, efficient. you know, that, that can do that. But I think, I mean, man, there's nothing worse than being out in the field and an animal is right, you know, 700 yeah. 600 yards you know even 500 yards and you have that thought should i do it yeah can should i do it can i do it i probably can't make that and shot with man, brady I'm, it's just yeah. dead yeah it's dead yeah yeah it's it's gone yeah I mean, it, yeah your chances of being more successful the better you are with your weapon is goes hand in hand it is it's that laxed thing though with a rifle late a it, rut they're going to be dumb yeah. Right, like they're gonna be, they're it's gonna be gun. love drunk. I, all it's I do a is gun. have to hit it; it'll yeah. die. It's Bullets are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it is. Yeah, and I, I see that all the time. Like I said, myself included, I'm guilty of this. I just and I want to get better at it because yeah. I do definitely see the advantages of it. And I, you know, rifle hunting, especially like that October, November time frame. I mean, maybe you're hunting mule deer, maybe you're hunting elk. Like it can be really challenging, and it it can be really hard. Yeah. You can go for days and days and days without an opportunity. And when that opportunity presents itself, I'd like to be better capable of actually taking it for and sure. making it. Yeah. What do you like for guns as far as calibers? Oh, God. I mean, I like big calibers. You, but you that's just because I pretty tells me that. <laughs> <laughs> I think calibers what do you are, shoot? Calibers are interesting. I was on here last time making a golf reference, and I'm going to make another one, so <laughs> piss a lot of people off. But it's <laughs> like, like you know, everyone has the one club in their bag that they're just like, confident with i feel like gun calibers are kind of the same way and it's it's not that you're so much more confident in it it's you remember all of the good shots you've had with that it just kind of stands out the good things of Mm -hmm. that club particular club stand out and i think gun you know 
gun calibers are very similar where your favorite caliber is the one you've had the best outcomes with that doesn't necessarily mean it's always on the caliber right it just could it could be so many different variables and factors that go into like being successful when you had that gun in your hand and for me it, i know i am biased because of that so mine is a, uh, i shoot a 28 nozzler mm -hmm. at almost everything i shoot a 6.5 284 at antelope and some of the smaller stuff and 28 is is everything i shoot mm -hmm. at, you know all the big animals why do people um, hate the 6.5 so much for deer I, know. I don't. I don't know. People I mean, I would. That. I would gladly. I would happily. <laughs> There's a billion shoot. memes on social media yeah. about six five. I would happily He's, shoot my six five two eighty four at a deer. Like no problem. Yeah. It's just something about like. Dude, it's the same thing with like arrow weight. Yeah. I look at it as the same thing. Like you can't shoot a a three hundred fifty grain arrow. grain arrow at an elk, or you can't shoot a four hundred. Like you need a you need a way bigger arrow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same thing. I just say, as long I think, as it shoots where you want it to, I think, I think you're yeah. going to be pretty damn. And I think good. it's it's that bias of like what what have you had, what what like pulls your positive confidence, you know what caliber pulls that from you? Yeah, and it's the one that you've had the best experiences with, mm -hmm. and that, I feel like that's what it is with gun caliber. So many guns can do the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I mean, know? I look at it as if I'm going out with a gun. Like I'm not here to track that son of a bitch. Like I want that thing to drop. <laughs> Tip over. Like I've been. Yeah, but then I, it, I do is shoot archery. Like I've tracked enough animals. Into, like I'm going out with a gun. Like if I hit it where I like, then it gets I don't into, want it to go far. Well, really, big guns don't matter at that rate. It's all about the bullet performance. So yeah. like, what bullet tip are you shooting? Like that's yeah. much more important in dropping an animal than the oh, actual heavy, size of heavy the ass bullet. Two hundred grain. It, but then it gets into like which which tip yeah. though? Like you're shooting the VLDs. You're shooting the yeah. the. Yep. Um, yeah, what's the other one? What's the one Brady shoots? ELDX or whatever? Yeah, that's what I, I shoot like, the, the Hornady ELDX. It, it's, uh, I don't know. It just, it gets into, there's so many other factors than just like a big gun. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, like Porter, for example, I mean, I'll, he'll tell everyone himself too, is like, you know, he didn't grow up around guns, especially big guns. And, you know, the noise and caliber and back pressure from shooting big guns. I mean, it's like. Would you oh rather? Baby. Yeah, that's what I was just. Gonna <laughs> would you say. rather shoot that, or would you rather shoot the one that you were just so comfortable behind? Yeah, you're I not going to jump it. You're not. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about like this headache you're going to have for the next four days because you don't have time to put your earplugs in, which happens all, all the, the time. time. It's like Every my time. wife comes home, or I come home and I complain to my wife about my ears ringing. Yeah. She's like, "Well, you're such an idiot." What? Well, I would love to tell the animal to just like, "Hey, can you just pause? Give me a second. Wait, you my know, hearing needs protection." I mean, the, the last <laughs> thing I care about when I got something I want to kill in front of me is my hearing. Like, it, yeah, know, I'll go deaf. Yeah, like <laughs> it's not really what I'm caring about. Yeah. And that's when it gets into like, what's comfortable. Yeah, what I learned. Like I learned shooting? a hard lesson with my oldest boy. You know, he's got a 25 out six. It's a little stainless stalker Browning gun. Phenomenal gun. Shoots it really, really well. You know, he had an elk tag two years ago. I took him on an elk hunt, and I, I kind of fell into that trap. You know, like, oh, he needs a bigger gun, right? So yeah. I we took my 28 Nosler. Um, you know, we took him to the range. He shot it. Shot it okay. Out of like I said, a lead sled, no big deal. Shot great. But we got into the field. Like he was scared of that gun. Yeah. You know, and. And he missed a, you know, he missed a shot at like 90 yards, kind of downhill. You know, he's also missed an antelope one time where I needed, you know, it was the same situation. We were on like this little sliver of public between two hunks of private. And I was like, we've got to, you know, you got to anchor that buck. Yeah. We need him to go down, you know, here within, you know, reason, maybe 200, 300 yards either side. Mm -hmm. So we need to really anchor that buck here, shoot my 28 nozzler. And he missed that buck. He missed that bull. Yep. And 
I've seen him make shots with his 25 out six that you know we're we're just like wow. I mean, he shoots that that gun damn well. It's and that club in his bag, the one he yeah, just yeah. knows he's comfortable with. He's comfortable. He's yeah. confident in it, right? Yep. So I mean, looking back on that, I, I agree. You know, shoot the caliber, shoot the gun that you yeah. feel comfortable if it's comfortable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's I mean, nothing worse than standing on the golf course and like uh, it's you know it's this yardage and you're like fuck I hate that club right it's like that's the worst mm-hmm. feeling ever whereas you know you're like oh god I love this shot I can't you have so much confidence going into it mm-hmm. it's the same thing with with hunting and, and shooting these guns where you know your boy if he pulls that gun out he's like oh yeah I'm yeah good. I'm done this is, it's, this it's is side, over. and then mm-hmm. if you hand him your 28 he's gonna go fuck I've missed two animals yep. with it you know I don't like shooting it that's gonna be his first thought before he even gets <laughs> right. in the gun yeah. that's not yeah. good you know yeah, and I th- I think here we did like that, a that's another that's a reason why I like a caliber that I can shoot anything from the biggest animal to the smallest. Yeah, animal. like yeah. a like a twenty eight nozzle or three hundred one mag. Like those are good calibers that you can you can shoot the whole gamut of animals. So you're allowed to use the same gun on every hunt that yeah. you go on if you want. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't ever have to change my gun. I use the same gun for every hunt. I mean, my brother, my brother loves a six five two eighty four. And I got I got video proof of this 680 yards and that and he shot a giant bull in the rut right. and it did a backflip right where he stood. Yeah. Six five two eighty four. It's like, you know, right. that's a that's impossible a, according to the internet. impossible and impossible. that's a that's a coos deer antelope killer, right? Like yeah. that's that's what that's yeah. seen as. My brother loves that gun. Lo- it's it's the one he's like, oh yeah, I'm making that shot. How far? No right. problem. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know a lot of guys that, sh- like, like I said, one of my favorite calibers is for my kid, you know, is that 25-06. And I know I have a lot of buddies locally that shoot a 25-06 for mule deer, and they love yeah. it, you know, yeah. and, and they shoot really, really well. You know, Great bullet performance. That's one yeah. really good thing on 25-06. You know, we did, a, like, a little Instagram Q&A, and I brought that up, and Brady just, I thought he was, you know, his job was going <laughs> to. Dude, Brady. Brady's. Hit the floor. I thought he was going to die. What's funny about Brady is Brady's he's favorite like, caliber is 300 wind Oh, yeah. In the heaviest, biggest everything, right? Yeah. Fast fastest ballistic so he pushes the limits on everything for weight and speed and all this stuff and he's always like he'll his saying around here when we talk about little guns is like don't you just want to know if you hit it in the hoof it's going down it's like that's me too it's like brady <laughs> i'm thinking exactly what brady saw i said that sounds nice i know but <laughs> when is brady ever gonna you know what i mean right. it's like brady is so beyond that it's like i mean i, I yeah. but it's his confidence thing it's the gun he pulls out and he's like yep where is it how far no yep. problem yeah, I'm not a I'm not a super like gun nerd and like understand all the different this that. It's just I have a setup. I've used it for a long ass time and I've yeah. yet to have any problems. So I just keep using it. Yeah. Yeah, get something that you're confident in and shoots well. And I think once you get a you get a couple under your belt with it, your confidence just goes up and up and up. Let's see. The first thought you have when you get that yeah, gun sh- is yep, where is he? Like that's the thought. That's when you know if you're shooting the right gun, in my opinion. Right again, comparing it to golf, whatever, yeah. you know, old man, yep. unathletic sport. But <laughs> I mean, it's mentally though. It's it's you know you're shooting the right gun when your first thought is like, "Yep, where is he? Yeah. Let's get, you, let's get it done." And aside from like, "Oh God, where's my ear? Do I have my ears? Don't have my ears? Oh God, oh God!" Right? Like yeah. you, you start having these other thoughts in your head. That's when you know you're not shooting the right gun. Yeah. Do you think? I've been thinking, because Neville and I have been talking a little shit, I, th- I think he and I both are like, I'm not a great rifle deer hunter, I don't think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so either. I started thinking about it, uh, and it's been a long time since I killed a, you know, I killed a 182-inch buck, but it's been probably, 
you know, 15 years ago yeah. with, a, with a rifle. Everything else has been early season. It's been, yep. you know, muzzleloader archery stuff. Um, what makes a person a good rifle mule deer hunter? What, Brady, what makes Brady a good rifle mule deer hunter? Do you guys think about that? Like, what is it? Because there's definitely a skill set. I definitely think about it for sure. It's, uh, I mean, persistence. He's, he's a persistent motherfucker. I think persistence is not uh, – There, I don't think that is – persistence is like you can talk yourself into persistence and then there's like a skill set right like do you have these particular skill sets and i think those skill sets it's just like any you know skilled position in any sports or anything it's like the more you do it the more you build this this skill set right so it's like experience is is the main thing i mean that's an archery hunting that's an all hunting right just experiences the more you do it it, right and then i also think like where you really become the Brady, the Ryan Lampers of mule deer hunting is when you know, when you know the balance of like aggression and weight with that rifle in your hand, because a lot of people get over aggressive or they get under aggressive. And it's like that having that gun in your hand kind of sets that like, you know, you, you, a lot of people get super laxed. Oh, I got a gun. We'll come back tomorrow. And And it's even just knowing where to go. Where to where where do you think the mule like they have so much years of knowledge of, of like, knowledge to put together like looking at a mountain saying yeah. but the success the of chances of being a big buck today are probably pretty high compared to this mountain over but here. the success of always killing good deer with your gun is like that is a very particular skill set in my mind and I think it is I think it's that understanding of the perfect balance of aggression and patience right bow everybody it's a game of patience right that's all it mm-hmm. is. 10 stocks, don't ever blow them. One of those stocks is going to work out as long as you don't blow them. If you get to 100 yards 10 times, one of those times yeah, he's going to get into mm-hmm. shooting range. Just push it to that 100-yard mark. One day he's going to make a mistake and cut it to 64, and you're going to get a shot. It's a game of patience and patience only. Rifles is like either full-blown aggression where people are just going, Water. don't care about skyline and don't care about smell, don't care about anything, and they're over-aggressive and push things to the limit where they can't really ever get – you know, maybe the, the deer or elk, whatever it is, is on high alert when you're trying to make the shot, which is always a pressure situation. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. the if you have the right amount of like aggression towards getting it done, but the right amount of patience to keep things calm at the same time, I think that is that perfect mix of being a Brady or Ryan Lampers with a gun. I think they do a lot of things that most people wouldn't do too. One they thing. go to a lot of places mm-hmm. most people wouldn't go. They if they see a mile if they see a deer ten miles away, like they don't have one single thought in their head like we're not going. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that that's that aggression I'm talking yeah, about with like a gun though is they know they they can go get it done so they yeah. have that confidence to like just to just go. But then when they get in there, then it's like that perfect amount of back off to let it to not over push it to where everything's on high alert. You're making a running shot. You know maybe you push that deer from 500 to 800. Now he's out of your range. Like you yeah. just did all that work to you had him. You could have had him in range if you just like backed off just a little bit been a little more you know a little more tactical and situational in, in what's going on i think that's that's what it is one thing i was thinking about in regards to that question is a lot of the the guys that i know that are good rifle mule deer hunters i mean in a lot of cases they're hunting units that aren't premium you know yeah. prime units they're general season type hunts 
One thing I think about those guys is they have the ability to not get frustrated with hunting pressure. It almost yeah. rolls off them like water on a duck's back. Like they can see a bunch of trucks, a bunch of different orange, a bunch of people all over the place, and they don't panic. They don't lose their head. Yep. It doesn't bugger, bother them at all. They just adjust and they move on and they, they know what to do, right? That's I, a really good point, and that's where I struggle. Me too. Yeah. I, do too. I struggle so I, hard with that. Yeah, I start seeing the other thing about a lot of those types of people is they have, um, they're good at, at road hunting. It sounds funny, but they're good at day hunting from yeah. a base camp and mm-hmm. they're moving out to like some point and they may only be going a half a mile and glassing a basin. You know, they're seeing other people, they're seeing hunting pressure, but they just like move and adapt and they're okay. And like, I struggle with that type of hunting because like I get super frustrated. I start seeing people. Yeah. That's uh, a really good point. And that, oh yeah. that is my biggest downfall of rifle hunting and then you hear yeah. two or three shots and you're like fuck i got um, i gotta get out of here well, it's I mean, ridiculous yeah, I but they go, didn't kill I, your you know they didn't kill the buck you saw yeah. or the one you're after I, I gotta go find someplace else yeah, i gotta get like, farther away exactly. i gotta I, even uh, lampers will tell you the same exact thing that's where i struggle they the hate most. seeing people too but I they, know, but they, they, they go will to, they go to places and that you would never go to yeah, I think there's both types, though. Right. I think yeah. you, I think there is the ability, like people like Brady or Lampers, that are willing to like go out clear that nobody else will go, you know, because there's you know there's just no access, there's no water, whatever right. it is, right? Yeah. But then I also I know some really good mule deer hunters that are just totally okay, right? Hunting in the complete thick of it, yeah, and just Dude, not getting frustrating and just just adapting yeah. and and doing their thing day in and day out. Some you know? of the most famous big mule deer killers are exactly that yeah yeah they're I'm exactly terrible that. At that i'm terrible at that too i'm a terrible truck hunter <laughs> i'm terrible hunting around people you know who's Shit. really good at that is greg crow yeah you guys know, know yeah, that yeah. Name? yeah yeah man no, he that is that is where he he is so good there's a lot of guys out that are like that and he's so good at that it's like they almost they they understand the pressure and they're they're so good at reading where the pressure is going to like push animals to that's that's where and like that's they where know exactly where to look they're I like hope Greg doesn't mind me bringing him up and talking about it, but that's where he shines. Like he just, man, he just has a level up on everyone to understand how this this mature buck that he knows of and has been watching is going to react about the pressure. These guys around him don't know about this deer, mm-hmm. right? And he knows that type of stuff. And he will stick it out in, in the middle of the mix. And, man, he gets a lot of deer killed. Yeah, I think going. I think these guys get a lot of deer. Mule deer hunting late season, it's all about patience and then knowing when to make the move when you make it. It takes a lot of patience to sit behind your glass day in, day out. It takes a lot of patience to put up with a lot of hunting pressure. When I was a young kid hunting Nevada, I hunted 43 days in a row in Nevada in a in a pretty pretty known unit. Um, Quite a few tags, right? I would see Greg behind the glass all day every day yeah never flustered and i'm a young kid and i am just bombing bouncing around <laughs> and every time i go i'm like god he's still he's still there right there you know yeah I'm like that's why i know greg is good at this i have so much experience just crossing paths with him just like and he's always just stayed that course yeah, yeah. i mean he's probably thinking his head's like i'm way better at glassing than all these other idiots and just better at hunting you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's not getting I mean, worried of like these people out here who probably aren't going to be successful like me like they're probably like he's probably thinking about it like what is this yeah. idiot doing i've seen <laughs> like his truck 17 times in four days and he's always he's always yeah. moving like why what is he yeah. doing i feel like those guys are like i could sit here and look at the same hillside as this guy over here but i'm gonna find that deer first and yeah. i'm gonna see it before you even get close yep yeah 
It's a good skill, though. Yeah, I, I mean, Greg Crow and Jack Brittingham, that duo, they have killed yep. some of the biggest, baddest animals in the middle of just the normal stuff. Yep. Just doing things that 99.9% of people aren't willing to do, obviously. Mm. Right? Like us, like me and you. When I just back, I see that and I'm like, ah, man, I'm out of here. Well, yeah. they will just stick it out day in and day out just in the middle of it. Yeah. You guys got late. You got a, you're going with Porter? We yeah. P- I don't have a, a late season no, hunt myself. No late I'm season tag this year. Porter, he's, him and I, believe it or not, have, I've been on one hunt with that guy. One, I've taken him hunting one time. Mm-hmm. We started this business together, together in late 2013, built a business out of it, launched 2015. So him and I go back to 2013, even, you know, even though the business is 2015, but the only hunt I've taken him on or like been with him on was a muzzleload hunt in Nevada. That mm-hmm. was it. So him and I, he's, you know, I'm going to make myself sound cooler than I actually am, but like he's been begging me to take him hunting. We just, you know, when you're around people all the time, you want to go hunting right. with them, right? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, well, I know the reason him and I, back when we started this business, we made a, a, a an agreement that like we cannot be out of the office at the same time. Like this, this business business comes first, right? right? Like we can never be out at the same time. If I'm gone, you have to be here. If you're gone, I'll, we'll hold down the ship. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how it's always been. And now we're to a point where we can be out together and, you know, as a massive thank you for everything he's done. I, you know, got him into this hunt in, in Colorado, surprised him with it 40th birthday. And yeah, so I'm taking him on as like, this good. is the first real hunt. I mean, that muzzleload hunt was over the weekend. Right. It was one pocket of deer we hunted and that was it. Like there was really not much going on. This Is it a third season tag? Yeah. Four? Third season third tag. Season. Yep. Yeah, Get there two days early. To exactly what we were talking about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's two days early and the game plan is, uh, you know, find the does. Yeah. It's been a, been a good summer yeah been a good early winter um yeah should be a good year it's all, oh, yeah. all about finding the does so yeah that's that's the hunt i have what yeah. about you guys i've got a colorado tag me and my kid I'm a, i might sneak over for the last weekend and just see i've got a canyon that i've hunted it before that unit so he and i may just run over for like two or three days and just bomb into this canyon and see if we can kill a couple bucks it's yeah. it's like a little a little pocket if you're willing to do some hiking you know it's just this nice. big open sagebrushy basin with some pj so i think we'll probably run over maybe maybe do that on a weekend but i was thinking last year i mean neville and i went to montana last year over thanks we were just right before thanksgiving and hunted just general season deer up there and man, we had a riot it was fun oh, yeah. those late season hunts are so fun i have hunted colorado late season for the last nine years in a row i was gonna this say when you said you don't have year. a tag i was yeah. like man <laughs> I personally have done it the last nine years. Yeah. This will be my 10th year going, but I don't have it. I mean, I love, Yeah. I can hunt with other people just the same as for myself. Sure. Like I don't lose any excitement. I don't lose any like want for it. Right. So I'm, I am beyond excited to go. And anytime you put yourself in a place like this, I mean, you just, you never, you never know, which yeah. is so right. that's the best part about hunting, especially late season. It's that Christmas yeah. morning waking up going, what is yeah, going to This will be, be my 10th year in a row on a late season november hunt cool Colorado, baby right Colorado. on good luck we can't uh i can't wait to see see how it goes see hopefully, the photos hopefully it goes good. Brady's he's been shooting with brady so porter has <laughs> yeah yeah that's, brady that's, where the, that's usually where the big question mark comes with for him uh, <laughs> warning <laughs> <laughs> he's been known as known as the warning shot to guy. get a war give a warning he, shot he, he likes to he, he likes, likes to, to give the animals a chance keep it fair yeah you know <laughs> One one shot over just the back. Just solid warning. And, and then, then drills then he, it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it'd be special. fun. It'd be fun to catch up with Brady when he gets back and see how everybody did. I know, yeah, man. I'm, ex- I'm excited. What have you too. heard so far? Like he what? shot a mountain lions. That's it. A I'm, mountain lion. I heard that. Yeah, that's he's been. It's been a rough one. But God. For Idaho, man. For all the listeners right now, Brady's on a mule deer tour, so he's in Idaho. He's on a mule deer sabbatical. <laughs> he, he's on he's in Idaho hunting mule deer, and then he's going to go straight from Idaho to Colorado second season, which starts this Saturday. weekend. Yeah. yeah, starts this Saturday, and then he's going to hunt there for second season. So yeah, so for those you be listening that are listening in Idaho, if you've got a deer tag and elk tag, you can essentially you know quote unquote down downgrade your tag. Yeah. You can shoot a lion, a bear, or a wolf. One so. of the most amazing things about about that i love that i forgot he had two deer tags yeah he did yeah idaho you can have multiple tags and you can downgrade them yeah so which is awesome what i heard from brady supposedly he's going low now no way i don't believe it he said he started up high and it was hot as shit for like the first five days and then i think it was last weekend they got like 15 inches of snow yeah it was a crazy cold snap and then so then he moved lower is yeah. what he was saying. So that's what I'm paying attention to going into this third season. I mean, right right where we're going, I mean, it dropped to 15 degrees, 10 inches of snow. It'll burn off before we get there as as it looks in the weather right now. But it is staying relatively colder. Should that'll, be good. That'll push the pressure a little mm-hmm. bit. Should be good. So I'm definitely paying attention to that going into those first two days of scouting. Cool. Well, good luck to everybody out there when this podcast hits. Most of you guys will be out there, you know, the Drew second, third season, yeah. you know, fourth season rifle deer tags in Colorado. If you've got other late season tags, you know, good luck to you. Um, Is Colorado the late season state? Pretty much. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's the one I think of. It's like, I, feel like I guess you've got Montana so. general season that runs the, the length of November. Mm-hmm. You can hunt those real late. But, yeah, those are kind of the, yeah. the, the two big ones for me that right. pop up, Colorado and Montana. Yep. I agree. Well, good luck. Um, we'll close Shoot out em. close out with a promo. Hit him, hit him, true. Hit him with a promo. Hit him with a promo. Real quick, 50-50-50 promo. Use whoop, whoop. The, use the <laughs> <laughs> use the promo code podcast fifty. Get yourself uh, all fifty states. Go hunt maps membership for fifty bucks. We give you fifty points back to the Go Hunt Gear Shop, which is fifty dollars. So you essentially pays for itself. You That's get right. fifty bucks in gear. Pick yourself up some late season gear. So holiday season's coming around the oh corner. Oh, yeah, Black Friday's coming up. Yep. Black Friday. Yep. God, it's going to be busy. Oh going to yeah. be busy. So, yeah, use the promo code PODCAST50, and good luck on your late season hunts. See you. Bitches. Trail. <laughs> 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 <laughs>